Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast, the only show that dares to be both on topic and usually on location. Each time we meet, we bring together a group of IT luminaries to discuss a single concept. In this episode, we're talking about unstructured data, and frankly, you're not ready to deal with this problem. Before we begin, let's meet who's on the panel today. Hey, y'all. I'm Gina Rosenthal. I am the founder of Digital Sunshine Solutions. I help companies with their product marketing struggles. And you can talk to me live and in person on Twitter at Gminx. Hello, I'm Enrico Signoretti. I am a senior analyst at Gigaum, and you can find me on Twitter as eSignoretti. Hi, I'm Amy Fowler. I am responsible for strategy and product marketing for the Flashblade business unit at Pure Storage. And you can find me on uh, LinkedIn, Amy Fowler, and also on uh, Pure Storage. I have a lot of blogs on this subject. And a lot of us actually have a lot of blogs on this subject because, of course, unstructured data is one of those things that, honestly, we've been talking about for a long, long time, uh, you know, even before, before Tech Field Day, before Gestalt IT, you know, when I was... Uh, working as a storage consultant. This was one of the big topics. And, you know, you'd think, you'd think that since this has been a problem for a long time, we would have had a better handle on it. But frankly, I guess by definition, unstructured data is unstructured. And frankly, it's growing. We're seeing a lot more and uh, people really aren't ready to deal with it. Um, Amy, let's start with you since I know that you have written on this subject. Maybe you can talk a little bit more about the general concept. What are we talking about when we say unstructured data? Well, we're basically talking about the types of data that doesn't fit neatly into a database. And in general, that is machine generated instead of human generated. And so the volume of it is significantly bigger. It can range everything from IoT sensor data to medical images to drone footage. And so the variety of this data also makes it particularly challenging. And what we're seeing now is that the new opportunities that the potential for analytics presents to get more out of this ever-growing volume of unstructured data is really putting an increased demand on organizations to figure that out, to get it right. And with, you know, again, the, the volume, the variety, and um, just the speed at which it's being generated, it's a big challenge. Yeah, if I add to this, I mean, when you, when you define the uh, machine generating and human generating, now we, uh, you know, we lived in a very strange time in the last couple of years where a lot of processes changed. And honestly, also human generated data is, you know, growing now at an incredible pace. Think only at, uh, you know, university lessons or, or even my kids. Every single lesson is now recorded and stored in the in the in somewhere most of the time in the storage of the university which is growing you know in in a crazy in a crazy way that the problem is that these people yes they they know when it was recorded they know uh you know who recorded the session but actually who was there and what was the content and all this kind of stuff that, that's that is becoming the problem so knowing what you have what you're dealing with and these kind of things. 
I think the whole concept of a database is also changing, right? So we've got a different way of organizing data and different types of databases so that they can be super elastic and you can actually get more information out of the data that's stored. If you use the example of a user um, of a video, like Enrico was talking about, what were the people doing behind the scenes? Is there chat attached to that? What was the actual um, instruction given? Was there a talk script to that? How does that all go together? What were the emotions behind it? What is any kind of other information you can gather from that so you can improve the instruction or you can change the instruction or you can outlaw the topic is it seems to be the hot topic in the States, right? So there's, there's all sorts of stuff that goes with just, we've got all of this data and the data about data that can be gathered now, um, how do we make information and who gets to make the information out of that metadata? Well, to your point, uh, the augmentation factor is fundamental now. So when you ingest new data, when you manage data that is unstructured, having a mechanism to un, uh, um, augment with metadata, with real metadata. So not just the basic metadata that comes with the file, but actually all the information that you can put on top of it could could really change the thing and i was with uh, with uh, with some of my clients lately and we talked a lot about how uh would you like to to reuse to to uh, you know to use your data and and, and in fact having this you know augmentation and uh, rationalization and then automation around all these uh, aspects of, of uh, data is now becoming fundamental. Think about, uh, uh, for example, having uh, uh, everything, uh, uh, every metadata on your systems uh, cataloged somehow, so like a big database, okay? So you start thinking about your unstructured data like a massive database uh, with, of course, unstructured data. So it's, it's becoming more manageable, more, you know, uh, reusable somehow. I'm glad that you brought up the topic of big data because that really gets me thinking about sort of the true nature of unstructured data because I always defined big data as ba basically data that's too big to manage in conventional ways. Unstructured data in a way is defined by the fact that it is not structured. So is it possible, I mean, will we ever get out of an era of unstructured data or do we just have to sort of dive in and have an alternative solution to the problem? Well, I don't think that unstructured data per se is going away. I mean, by, by its definition, there's not gonna be any shortage of file and object data getting created. And I think the IDC projections are that we, you know, by 2025, 80% of enterprise data is unstructured, which I think is, is notable because it's easy to think about just the social media and the things that we all create, videos, you know, I'm sure how many terabytes that my, personal family has created over the past few years. And for this to be translating into enterprise data and, and, and candidly for enterprises to need to think about even the types of data I just mentioned. And I think uh, Gina, you hit on this a little bit, which is how are, how are you going to triangulate the consumer sentiment in all of the places that lives with the shopping, with my shopping behavior and bring that all together to make you know more um, you know make make more intelligent spend in terms of advertising in order to present me with the right thing so that I'm more likely to buy it at the right time and the you know the diversity and all of this that 
you know, I think 10 years ago just wasn't present in the enterprise. It wasn't a consideration is there's just been a, a, a sea change really in terms of the ways and opportunities for organizations to use it. So I don't think going having it go away or shrink is, is really an option. I think it becomes so much more of a game of how do you set yourself up to get the most out of it? And there, that's, that's the question that needs to be answered at many, many, many different layers in the stack and, and in the data center. Yeah, I think to that point, I don't think it was you know, affordable to capture all of the unstructured data into a database to make sense of it and abstract information from it. I think it was very, you think of the way a database works, you, you collect the data, but you're telling the data the information you want to glean from it. And um, you're not necessarily allowing the information making happen on its own because, I mean, I can remember not being able to keep log files because we just did, couldn't afford the storage. You know, this is 10, 12 years ago to keep them on. So we had to prune the log files and we had to make sure they were backed up to tapes if we ever needed to go back to them. But like, we couldn't keep all the log files we wanted because we couldn't afford to do it. And it was really, you know, that's what back in the days where file systems were less than a terabyte. You couldn't get over a terabyte in a file system. So we definitely weren't keeping all the data that we could have gotten then, but we just couldn't do it. I think it's really interesting. Um, there's a there's a, a paper um, from SAGE, which is all about information studies, that kind of thing. But they say the data doesn't speak for themselves, but they have to be, data has to be narrated. And that's what the databases do. So if we're able to get the data and we're able to store it, then we are able to tell what your shopping experience is and what we should flash at you while you're in a store or send to your email and your social and every place else that you might have eyeballs on it. You know, but we're telling the story of the data. And when you think of something like making sales better or making consumer experience better, that's great. But then we have this enormous opportunity and responsibility to make sure we think about society as a whole. Who gets to tell the stories from the data that's there? Because um, that's that's always happened too. This metadata has always been there. We built databases to get story information from it. Now what's gonna happen while this big data, it's endless what we could do to tell the story. Well, consider that, I mean, uh, you're right. I mean, we are past the moment when, uh, you know, a couple, a couple of decades ago, 10 years ago, when everything was tough, when it was about capacity. Uh, also because capacity was also only developed with with uh, you know object stores that were huge but at the same time in almost inaccessible i mean no standard apis no uh, no application using object storage i mean our object storage was that for several years now everything changing I and mean, we are we have uh, uh, file systems that are huge i mean you know billion of files uh, millions of directories and uh, files of every size and also object stores are more accessible because every application in the world uses object storage now well every application not but, but actually a large number of applications is using object storage. so the, the the question is so capacity is no longer a problem and not even performance i mean we have all flash scale out systems today they are affordable enough for you to run you know the uh, analytics like you were you know a national laboratory but you're just a, a medium-sized enterprise so you can do everything you want the problem is how do you manage all this data to make sense of it because because you know today you can collect thousand millions of sensors every day and then 
what is good what is not what is you know uh, what do you have to store forever what do you need just for a couple of days this is the problem today so you you need to find ways you need to find tools to understand your data reuse your data when possible because reusability of the data is another you know key point today and and of course uh, uh, look at the long term even if again we have these massive file systems that are available and uh, uh, you know you can't keep you know storing everything without thinking about you know uh, maybe having multiple tiers having a, a, a cloud uh, you know like AWS uh, Glacier or S3 uh, never accessed again kind of tier or whatever you want so that you can save on some dollar per gigabyte. So you, you need all these tools to, you know, normalize, rationalize all your data sets and then, you know, having something to understand when, uh, what and how to do. And this is just the tip of the iceberg because there, there is all the security aspects that come with it. Because if they can, you know, encrypt all your traditional storage, think about when they are able to encrypt billion, all, all the files that you have in this massive scale-out file system. So you need, you know, an infrastructure that can understand ransomware, can understand other type of security threats that are, you know, around now. So that, that are the real challenges today, no, no longer scalability or, or, or performance for me. So Enrique, you just said so many things that, that, that I largely agree with, but I'd love to unpack just a little bit more, which is, you know, I think you had on something there that when, you know, old school object storage, for example, was almost so slow that it wasn't really, it was not usable in the way that we're talking about using data. And it's really only been in, a, I'd say the past few years that we've seen that shift to where actually having all flash, I mean, performance object storage has become a, a mainstream thing. And, you know, the, the other the other couple of key elements here are that if the there's not some degree of performance, you simply cannot get insight. So this, you know, this ability to scale with performance becomes on the infrastructure side, super, super critical. And, you know, I think we can break it up into there is then, okay, what does it take to do that seamlessly and cost effectively? And then you have this whole other layer of, but what else, what are the other tools and systems you're using to actually get insights into that data now that you have put it onto a scale out infrastructure that is simple and seamlessly scalable, you know, and cost effective. And just to piggyback a little bit more on, on the point that we're seeing this transition, which is, you know, we're only a few years away from the price per gig crossover point between SSDs and HDDs. And really we saw a tipping point, let's call it seven, eight years ago with block storage when we saw that crossover point with 15K drives. And now that we're seeing it approach, it just really opens up this world of possibilities in terms of scaling out and, and getting, you know, getting the insights that you want. And I, you know, I would argue that we're heading towards a world from that perspective of basically, you have either data that you need to be able to, you know, aggregate and annotate and get insights out of. And then you have super, like you mentioned, Glacier, you have then, then you have super cold data. There's none of this in the middle, I think, anymore. There's either it's valuable or it's compliance or, you know, in case of emergency. And, um, you know, in terms of solving for all of the infrastructure related, you know, elements, you know, that's an area I'm super passionate about, but I, you know, I, I love the, 
I'd love to get, you know, your Gina or, or Steven's perspectives on like, what are those other things that that layer above, you know, that, that are the complement to it? Because it's certainly not something that can be, you know, solving the unstructured data challenge is one part infrastructure and storage and, and several parts, other, other things in the stack. So that, that's actually something that I'd like to kind of connect with how I introduced it, because we've been dealing with unstructured data forever, but what we didn't have at the time were systems that, as Amy described, offer extreme levels of scalability, high performance, and most importantly, integration with applications. Because now we've got a, a situation where we can actually do something with some of this unstructured data. We can store huge volumes of it, as Gina was getting getting to as well. You know, we can store volumes of it in a way that are online and accessible. And not only that, I'd like to connect it as well. Um, as you know, I, I run the, the the Utilizing AI podcast, and one of the things that we cover there is the fact that you know AI enables us to do more. Machine learning can can process more data, which enables us to collect more data, which enables us to filter out more data than we ever could before. And, and so we do have new tools here, right? I mean, I think that that's the, the point is that this is, this is an age old problem, but we have new tools that will allow us to do new things, right? Well, think of, for example, uh, you know, something that many, many enterprises use like Splunk, okay? So when, you know, when we didn't have these kind of tools, okay, just, uh, ma making sense of log files was, you know, very, very difficult. Now we have uh, end users storing gigabytes, sometimes terabytes and terabytes of log files every day. But if you don't have the performance to access the data, if you don't have the application to understand the data, if you don't have any of the possible, you know, uh, interaction and uh, uh, with the data that is possible now with the, with tools like this. I mean, I, I mentioned Splunk, but there are several other tools that can, you know, ma make a, uh, create similar, uh, similar um, insights. So the idea here is that now we have the tools, we have the performance and we have the, uh, the application or we have the, the right data management tools to, to make sense of, of this data so that you can decide what is worth uh, using and again, so log files are good. And, and as you said, you need the mechanisms to understand. Okay, I need the log files immediately to see if there is a, a trouble coming, to if there is an issue, if you know, if there is something around the corner. But actually, after a week, after two weeks, do you really need these log files? Maybe yes, because for compliance, as uh, Amy said, or for I don't think, but actually you don't access them anymore. I mean, you already collected the important information. You have the important information in the uh, upper stack. So dashboard and things, so what happened, trends on, on the logs and, and the rest can be flushed on, on a secondary story. So I, I totally agree. I mean, we need fast, really fast storage. And then, uh, well, I, I came up with this concept uh, 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 several years ago now, and I was calling it flash and trash. So flash as the primary layer and everything else is trash. I mean, you, you put it somewhere in a, in a in a junkyard and you will never use it again, but actually you have to keep it. So that, that's, that's the idea. And now we have the tools to do all of this. 
So I'm going to be the person that brings it back to people because <laughs> that's what my passion is here, right? And I, I think that, you know, it's important to remember that data is what you use to build information. And that's been since the beginning of time. And there's information we have that we have found out over the years that is totally false because some of the information was hidden. So that's what I find interesting about this is we now have the ability to keep all this data and the ability to rehydrate it and the ability to match it in new ways. And we have all the ability to do more than the log files. We have the ability to get kind of like that outside stories and it's personal stories, but to anything where you can build up um, the information from there. Like example, I was trying really hard to think of a, a good innocuous example, but I think like the movie Hidden Figures is a great one. We have all of these women who led the the early days of computing, but we don't know those stories because that data was never brought into the story of the history of computing. And now we're finding that data and rehydrating it and talking more about it. This could be for anything you imagine um, for a good way for a data set that a company or a government may have, but it could also be really bad where they don't want you to find the information about um, this is very dark, but maybe they don't want you to see the information what happened during a clinical trial. So they kind of downplay that data and put up the really good, happy data, you know, and, and that could have devastating effects. But um, I, I think that when we're talking about data, we are to the point where I think that we'll be able to capture all of the attachments to information that we never were able to capture and store. Um, it's just a matter of what will be captured and what the data will be, um, what information will be built in from that data that will be interesting. And it, it's, I think it's really important as the people that create the structures for that to happen, because no doubt it's possible now and it will happen. Um, how, do we, how do we help make sure that all the data that's collected is able to be rehydrated or reused or made into information at some point? So I don't have the answer to that because I think that now we're getting into, um, ethics and <laughs> and things that are kind of beyond the scope of what um what a a you know data infrastructure and storage platform organization kind of uh can affect uh in a practical way i will comment though um and i'll kind of try to maybe triangulate you know from what you're talking about just like the human element of it and in Rico, the example you were using of logs being you know something that maybe you do flash and crash and in, in your I, that's a fun expression um which would be, for example, in the world of like medical imaging, right? Where you have a situation, I'll give a couple different examples here. You know, number one, um, you now have the ability to potentially go back and apply AI to, you know, petabytes of clinical image data in order to get new insights into disease trends, right? So this is, you know, that's an example where you might have thought, well, you know, although we need to store these diagnostic images, these PACS images for, you know, 7, 10, 21 years for compliance reasons, now it's not just about compliance. It's about getting more clinical insights. Um, it also can even be, from a very real-time perspective, a matter of saying, you know, I don't know what kind of ad hoc query is going to happen because somebody shows up in my emergency department, and if somebody comes in and they happen to have been in three months ago, I don't want that to be on some super slow deep archive. Like I didn't know I was going to need it, but I, you know, I have a potential to impact patient care and the overall clinical workflow if I have it. We're seeing organizations like PageAI go back and take huge volumes, and this ties to the, you know, the AI question of um, huge volumes of uh, digital pathology images in order to validate 
uh, basically validate diagnosis because, you know, pathology is, you know, a, a, an expert physician looking at pictures and think about how much value there is if you can actually have millions of those that have then also been cross-validated by genomic sequencing. Another example of where you have these sets of data that you might, you know, scan, create the full set, get the, the, the final excerpts, but then there's a new um, a new variable that's identified. You want to re, re, you know, reuse that that original terabyte worth of data to figure out what the impact is. So, you know, I think um, I guess my personal belief is that overall there is more upsides to positive outcomes by making good choices of use out of the data. But the when we're getting into the the ethics of all of it, um, the only other thing I could say, Gina, is great call out on um, Hidden Figures, like one of the <laughs> one of the best stories in movies ever. So. Right. Actually, just kind of piggybacking on that example um, of using the medical imaging, it has the potential to right an ethical wrong. So one of the ways doctors are trained are based on very weird racial uh, formulas and skews that may that are not, you know, medically correct. So you have this way now to take all of those images and prove and say, these are really the rates at which people get sick and what you should be looking for. And, and I, I think a great example of that is probably with the, the NFL and the, um, the, I forget what it's called, the CTE. concussion. Yeah, CTE. yeah, because there's actually a lawsuit about that right now. So you can imagine that some of this is being used in real time, but um, it's, it's a great way to, it's the same story, that the stories weren't told correctly. And now all of a sudden we have this amazing technology that can be used for good to right some ethical wrongs of the past. And to follow on that too, another thing we've talked about on utilizing AI, I want to bring that in here, is, is one of the more exciting applications was this idea of basically setting machine learning loose on data and seeing what connections it can make that you wouldn't make as a person. Because one of the, the challenges that people bring, no matter how much we try to be unbiased, um, we have natural biases and we, we often do reject connections and conclusions that don't make sense to us out of hand. And one of the more exciting aspects was a company that was looking at doing uh, connections between clinical trials and various drugs and trying to find unexpected benefits of existing drugs. And that wouldn't be possible if we didn't have extreme scalability, extreme performance, and API-driven application access. So you can set the machine learning loose on this. So I think sometimes people think storage is kind of a dry or you know an old uh, old school uh, world, but but frankly, you know the, the the capabilities of these storage arrays are making exciting new things possible, and it doesn't have to be like a dystopia of like you know searching for facial data and all the videos or anything. You know, I mean, it can be a kind of an optimistic thing about you know finding you know unexpected uh, medical connections and things like that. I think that with the you know all the uh, tools and all the you know uh, software that we have today, including machine learning. So today we can think about uh, data storage in a different way, especially the data we store in the storage. So once we have uh, at least these three points: augmentation first, so to get everything out of the structured data that could be used; visibility, so that can help you. Once you have the augmentation, you can you know easily find your data sets, and then later you can have a reusability because if you can have all these three things together, you can to start to reuse your data. So that that's that's maybe the future. It's not for everybody today, but actually, 
you know, the more data you are storing, the more you, you see these kind of challenges and the more you need to uh, augment, uh, get more visibility, and then uh, uh, you will be able to reuse the data. So uh, that's it. So returning to the premise of today's episode, uh, you're not ready to deal with unstructured data. Um, you know, we obviously picked something that was a little controversial and fun to, to poke at. Uh, Enrico, do you think people are ready to deal with unstructured data or do you think they're getting there? Well, we're getting there. I mean, we solved a couple of huge problems, performance and scalability. And, uh, and now we are trying to figure out how to uh, reuse the data or at least how to deal with this massive amount of data. As I said, data management is, uh, is the key to do that. And uh, with the right tools and with the right methodologies, it, it is possible to, to do more and, and manage the growth and also you know, manage the long term, uh, the long tail of this uh, data growth. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of time um, before everyone has access to so, some sort of um, methodology to keep all of their data and to use their big data. Um, what I hope happens is that the people that are trying to do really good things with the data and to make things right in the world for everybody are ahead of the people that want to either hide data or uh, use data in a way that would harm anybody. That's my hope. Well, and I, I certainly agree with Enrico that we're getting to a place where there is there are offerings, there is the ability to deliver the both the scale and the performance uh, cost effectively. The things I would add to that would be, you know, number one, that you need to think about doing that in a way where the infrastructure that underpins all of this is simple, that it is not adding, you know, there's all this complexity we're talking about in all of the data and what you do with it. Let's let the, you know, let's let the data architects and your analytics team you know, basically be the place where all of the, the the complexity needs to be sorted out. And I think that by really focusing on deploying uh, a storage infrastructure that is not only performant and scalable, but also extremely simple as it scales, because this has been an, actually a big area of challenge, one of the kind of miss, the, kind of maybe the, the third missing thing that we've seen, even as we've increased in scale and performances, we generally seen increasing complexity. And the corollary to that, which uh, I meant to bring up earlier, but ties a little bit into some of our other conversations uh, and, and even from an ethical perspective is, can you do it with a reduced footprint? Can you do it in a way that reduces power space and cooling? And um, so, you know, that's that's those are the elements of, are you ready to deal with unstructured data that I think um, should be relatively solvable in the grand scheme of all this other complexity we're talking about. But if they're not, it makes it that much harder to address the data that you're storing. And, and from my perspective, as somebody who's watching the industry closely, the thing that I'm looking at right now is a lot of uh, products that are truly integrated. So you have an, an, a system that isn't just, I'm going to take a storage system from here, and then I'm going to take you know maybe an AI uh, engine from here, but something that, that actually pulls it all together into a real converged stack. And I'm seeing those coming from a variety of different companies. Um, and, and frankly, uh, you know, NVIDIA has been great in uh, pushing uh, those kind of partnerships because that delivers not just a storage system that scales, but an entire AI ready infrastructure that scales. And I think that that to me is sort of the next generation 
of uh, solutions to deal with the core question and to provide the kind of tools that companies need to, uh, to be able to try to deal with this uh, flood of unstructured data. So thank you so much for joining us for the on-premise IT roundtable podcast, and thank you everyone for listening. Before we go, uh, let's take a moment to think about where we can connect and continue this conversation. Uh, Amy, let's start with you. Please reach out to me on linkedin.com. Uh, I am pretty remedial on Twitter, so I'm a good follower, but <laughs> I'm not good at posting, so um, thank you. Enrico? Uh, about me, it's simple. Just Google my name. It's easier than any Twitter handle or uh, anything else. There are not many Enrico Signoretti that uh, do storage in the world. Twitter works the best for me. I'm Gminx, G-M-I-N-K-S. And you can find me at S. Foskett on most social media networks. So thank you, Gina and Enrico, for joining uh, Amy and Pure Storage on this special sponsored episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast. If you enjoyed this discussion, please do subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes, since that does help our visibility. And please share it with your friends. This podcast is brought to you by Pure Storage and also by gestaltit.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and more episodes, go to gestaltit.com slash podcast. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.